Welcome to the Life Self Mastery Podcast, where we bring in entrepreneurs who have created online businesses and improved their lifestyles. Here's your host, Rohit Malhotra. Hi everyone, this is Rohit from Lifestyle Mastery and today I'm excited to have Carlo Pilati, who is the CEO and co-founder of Utropy. Uh, Utropy helps e-commerce businesses to overcome the challenges they face today in procurement and order automation. Utropy is a SaaS-enabled B2B marketplace that connects online sellers with suppliers. He's a graduate of Politecnico of Milan in Management Engineering and holds a double master's degree. Uh, in business development and international business manager from Grenoble Ecole Day Management. He's also a professor of uh, customer relationship manager in the same college. And, uh, uh, you know, he, he, he loves playing golf. So, uh, uh, Carlo, welcome, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me, right? Um, pleased to be here. Awesome. So, you know, how did you get into, into the world of startups? You've been into business development in, in, in some of the larger companies. What got you excited to, to build Utropy? Yeah, so uh, long story short, I mean, I, I started my career in tech. Um, so after my universities and um, all of that side, I moved to Ireland, uh, which is a tiny, rainy island in northern Europe, uh, close to the UK. Um, and there's a big tech community there. So all the big companies have, have HQ there. So I was, was really impressed by technology companies and I decided to apply for for a bunch of them, um, and I got the the job from Oracle. So I moved there working for Oracle uh, for a year, a year or so, a year and a half, uh, working specifically in sales. Um, and then after a year there, I moved to Salesforce, uh, which is, I mean, a great company in CRM space. And I stayed there for another year, uh, working in sales as well. And you know, working in sales is super, uh, you know, exciting as you're talking to so many customers. And you're talking to so many entrepreneurs or small companies or even like big CEOs of larger organizations and they have problems. And your job is to kind of understand what challenges they have and then try to kind of position your solution like at the time was Oracle or Salesforce to those, to those people to, to solve their problem and to thrive kind of into the digital era and digital transformation. So I was kind of an entrepreneur at the time. I mean, I was really like, you know, finding all those problems and then, you know, understand how Salesforce could be a good solution for them. But sometime, you know, we were talking about, we were ending up talking about multiple things with those, with those customers and, you know, it comes to e-commerce as well. I mean, retail, they had all these challenges when it comes to, you know, visibility across value chain and then, I was always like kind of amused by the e-commerce, like online e-commerce space. Uh, so I started to dig into it, right? So and my two best friends at the time, they took kind of a different path. Uh, so instead of like sending CVs out there, they were in Canada for the double degree and they started to look for, you know, new ways to make some money uh, as a side hustle. You know, as a student, you always want to, uh, get, you know, maybe a dinner out one more or, you know, go to a discotheque or something or play golf or whatever. Uh, so they started to run ads um, on behalf of some companies, like reselling products on behalf of companies, like in affiliate marketing, kind of. So they were promoting products and they were getting a fee from that transaction. So the actual company was, um, you know, getting the, getting the payments from the final customers. They were just like the intermediary between. And then at, at some point they were like, 
I'm so good in you know sending traffic to somebody else page. Why don't I just you know open my own e-commerce store and you know I make money for myself, right? So the, the commission were super tight. So there was a key natural movement, and we kind of one of the reunion that we had. We were talking about you know my experience in, in retail and all these companies you know struggling to uh, to put all these different steps in one single platform and. You know, they were telling me about their experience in e-commerce and, you know, it seems super, you know, fantastic. And like, yeah, I have a dream. I want to sell my stuff online. And it's kind of a lie in the sense that, you know, you have those companies like Shopify and they help you to build the store in like, you know, a, a few minutes, right? I mean, in half an hour, you can have that store online and then you can, you know, post a story on Instagram and you have traffic, right? Nice. But then, you know, nobody's realized that, you know, underneath that, right? So all everything that is operational and finding suppliers, warehouses, and fulfillment centers, I mean, it requires a lot of work. And especially if you don't have any volume, nobody wants to work for you, uh, with you. Like, it's very difficult to find a reliable supplier, uh, you know, without volume. I mean, the first question they will ask you is, how many orders do you have per day? And because you're just starting out, your, your answer is, well, zero. Uh, and then, you know, they will just leave the door. Um, so you kind of put together my experience in, in the tech space and their experience in e-commerce. And Udropi was born to kind of solve the personal business problem first. Um, so we were like, okay, let's, let's solve your problem first. And then when we realized that by talking to other peers in the industry and, you know, the e that, like the digital, you know, world is kind of a community. So everybody talks about the same stuff and you have a lot of people. Uh, talking about topics, and we realized that not only you know us were in that kind of situation in which you know we had no experience. We were using like AliExpress and shipping uh, orders. Like we were manually pushing orders to AliExpress. Like every time we get an order from Shopify, we're just like going on AliExpress and put the address of our customers instead of ourselves. It was a nightmare. Like four or six weeks and delivery and also like no ways to scale that business uh, to private label at all. Um, so we realized that other people in our situation were uh, struggling. So we kind of sit down and we're like, why don't, instead of like managing our own stores, like maybe three or four stores, why don't we manage like thousands of or, or millions of other stores out there or finding themselves in the same situation? So that was kind of the key natural you know, steps, um, you know, and, and that's why Udropy was born. Personal business problem first, and then kind of expand that to uh, a broader audience of, of people in the same situation. And I think that's kind of, you know, uh, you have two ways of kind of building companies. You can go and hunt for an idea. Uh, so you build a company, then you go and hunt for an idea. And I think uh, there are great examples there of, you know, that approach could work. It's very rare, but it could work. I mean, Marco Zapacosta built Thumbtack just using this model, right? So they wanted to become an entrepreneur. They were like, yeah, let's build a company. Let's, you know, find a problem. <clears throat> or you experiencing a problem yourself because you're doing business. And then you look around, you don't find a solution for your specific problem. And you're like, what? I mean, that's that just, uh, you know, solve that problem ourselves. Um, and that's what we did. And I think that's, uh, that's really powerful because the product market fit kind of, you know, initial phase was super short because we were our current customers. So we knew exactly that that problem was 
already, I mean, was there, right? I mean, it, it existed, right? Um, yeah, that was, you know, 2018, uh, beginning of 2018. Uh, so it's been almost, you know, three years since we've been at it. Um, now we're helping, you know, entrepreneurs from all over the place. Uh, now with COVID, I mean, you can, you know, basically work from anywhere. Uh, so we have companies, you know, entrepreneurs like in all over the place, really, from Australia to US and Africa and all over the place, really. Uh, we're helping them to, you know, build and scale a D2C brand, as you said. I mean, uh, we, give in, we give them like kind of the platform to kind of go for the zero to one phase. So no volume, but we give you the chance because we aggregate demand. So we give you, we give you the tool. Uh, and, 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 th- and those kind of people, entrepreneurs, they have like two problems. So first of all is access to professionals. Uh, so suppliers, warehouses and fulfillment centers because they have no volume. And because they have no experience, so two two problems. And second, they have to figure out a way to you know connect all those different professionals together to make sure that the orders and the kind of the amount of information is flowing in the right direction. So, and then we looked at it. It was like, okay, we can use we can leverage the model, which is a SaaS enabled marketplace. So we give them the marketplace model. So we connect them with professionals as we aggregate demand. So even if we have you know, 20,000 merchants making one order per day, Udropy has 20,000 orders per day. So when we go to the suppliers, they want to take our business. And then we add on top of that the software capability. So we also give them the visibility across the value chain. Um, And yeah, this is is what we've been doing and we're growing strong and looking forward to, to get more customers on board very soon. Very interesting, you know, because you, you pointed out you you had a problem and you wanted to solve that problem. I think that's one, once you're trying to uh, address the uh, address a pain point which you've already faced. I think you 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 are in it for a for a long term. And uh, you know, I wanted to uh, uh, and you know, before the call, we I we talked about how I also had this D two C brand which I was selling products in US, and I wish I had this. I had had a service like yours because I really struggled with getting the third-party logistics companies in in US and you know people not taking me seriously. But you, you talk about procurement and auto automation. Do you also help out with warehousing? Uh, do you also have your own warehouse? And w- what is the end-to-end service which Udropy provides? Uh, is it also finding out suppliers and making sure that you're able to sell? Is the marketing analytics and automation is also happening at your end, or is, yeah. is it? only about procurement and auto automation for So we're kind of a platform, right? And we are so focused on small, small companies like entrepreneurs or first time entrepreneurs or creators or influencers. Like think about an influencer on TikTok may, might have like 20 you know, million followers and they're like, yeah, let's monetize the audience and let's sell something online. So this is kind of our audience. So we had to build a platform, not a product. So if you look at enterprise world, you have companies focused on last mile delivery. So just the 3PL service or just the warehouses service or just the sourcing or you know, just the private label, just the packaging. So it makes sense because enterprises are okay with using different systems, right? So they don't really care. They already have the volume. Uh, when it comes to our business, we are super niche focused on those customers. So we had to create this platform. And so e-commerce is a journey. So entrepreneurs, when they start in e-commerce, they usually start with dropshipping because 
you're minimizing the risk as okay. you're selling something and then you buy it for a third party, right? So you're basically faking it until you make it, right? So it okay. makes total sense. Even big companies are doing that as well. I mean, it's a good way to test product ideas. When you start, you don't know uh, if your product is going to sell well or not. doesn't make sense to buy 20,000 units and then make them sit into your house for like years, right? If you don't sell them. Um, so first thing, I mean, first thing was, you know, connecting merchants with suppliers. So making sure that the drop shipping automation is there. So customers can come in and get the products from the marketplace, push them into the shop. And then once they get a, once they get a sales, the sales is also in the platform, they fulfill it, we ship it, right? So that's very simple. We automate the drop shipping. But then we still realize that customers, like entrepreneurs, they don't want to stay in the drop shipping arena for their whole life as they, they dream is to build a sustainable business, like a, a brand, right? Nice so brand. Yeah. Doing brands, you have to buy the stock because you have to customize your product. So you have to use more traditional model, which is kind of the buy and sell. So instead of sell and buy, um, and then you want to be closer to your customers as well, because otherwise it's very difficult to build a brand, right? With 10 or 15 days shipping from China. It's cool okay. to start so you kind of get that product market fit, but then you want to move away and start building a brand. But now you have data. Now you know that you're making 50 orders per day so you can predict demand and you can buy the stock. And those customers, you know, at the very beginning, like in 2018, beginning of 2019, they were leaving our platform because they were like, yeah, they were graduating from the platform. They were like, yeah, I mean, now I'm, I'm over with drop shipping. I can come back to you when I want to start testing new products, but now I've, I've graduated. And I was like, no, we, don't, we want you to stay within the same platform. We want you to only, not only start your business, but also scale it. So we, start, we started to build relationships with warehouses and fulfillment centers across Europe and US, as well as with packaging companies, as well as with suppliers who were able to customize products, uh, even build products from scratch uh, just with the design. Um, so we linked them all together within the same marketplace. And now customers can not only do the dropshipping automation phase, but also, as you said, if you want to buy a bulk of 20,000 units with your log on it, or even 500 or even 200, which is kind of the minimum, you can buy from the same platform. So you have only one relationship with us, right? Oh. So you don't have relationship with multiple softwares or multiple suppliers. You don't have the resources to manage all those different channels. You want to be focused on sales and marketing and your product uh, and not on the operational side as you don't have any experience. So you come to us, you buy the stock and then, you want, to, you, want to, you want to move that stock into one of the warehouses that we have. We don't own warehouses. We, we manage relationships with warehouses, of course. Um, and then you can move the stock from there, you know, from China to a warehouse in the US. And then from there, same use case. You got orders, we fulfill them for you. But you don't have to leave the platform. You're not graduating. We want you to stay within the platform. We want to lock you in, in a good way, as... For you, it makes sense to just you know, manage your entire business from just one single tab on your browser. Uh, so okay. yes, we, all, we not only you know, automate procurement, but also we do 3PL services. Uh, in fact, I mean, you kind of call ourselves as well like a 5PL tech-enabled provider because it's not only shipping, but it's also sourcing. Um, so yeah. 
Interesting because you know that that goes on to increase the lifetime value of the customer if he keeps if you keep adding uh, you know more more services yeah. for these e-commerce owners and uh, uh, you know I wanted to understand how uh, you know how many suppliers do you have and how many uh, uh, you know customers are working with you right now. Yeah, so we have around forty thousand merchants using our service. Like uh, some of them are making orders, some of them are not making orders. Uh, they're building maybe a shop or they're building kind of the the strategy behind the shop. Um, so that's why we kind of, you know, have merchants and active sellers. That's how we call them. Um, and usually you see customers like in this space, you kind of have like two kind of buyer persona, like the ones who are kind of using e-commerce as a side hustle job, um, who are making a few orders per day, maybe, you know, even one order per day or 25 orders per month, just you know, making a $500 per month more, just as, you know, having fun and then playing with e-commerce. And maybe after a couple of months, they realize that it could be, you know, a good potential. They start to understand how to run Facebook ads and a lot of uh, things going on there. And also you have professionals. You have people who are, you know, doing e-commerce full-time. Um, and those people, you know, might, you know, even make like two, 300, 400 orders per day. And that's kind of on average. Um, so it's it's really like three million up to ten million dollars in sales a year in gross merchandise value for those customers. Um, um, and then on the supply side, we have wholesalers, and then we also have suppliers, direct factories. So wholesalers are cool as they have very good prices, and also they can manage multiple factories. They have already products in house, and they find ways to actually sell them. Right, so they don't want to have lot of products in the warehouse because that's the cost. And they're looking for ways to sell those products, right? And for us, it's a process way because for them, I mean, they can list their products on Amazon or Etsy or Wish.com and be responsible for the marketing activities themselves. And also they can list their products into our platform and be connected, not with an online shopper, but with somebody who would love to promote their products. So it makes total sense. And it's also free of charge. Uh, so we have around um, you know, 150 suppliers on the supply side um, coming from you know, all over the place. I mean, the majority of them are based in China. We have suppliers in the US and in Europe as well. Um, I mean, three years ago, you know, doing drop shipping from China was a disaster because you know, shipping in, in, in 60 days and 90 days is just you know, not, not feasible. But today... It's fine. I mean, 10, 15 days, you have your products in, in some major countries. I mean, shipping to UK takes eight days. I mean, it's not that bad. I mean, eight days, you can wait eight days to get your products. We're not talking about, you know, things that you really need like today, right? So otherwise you go on Amazon. Um, we're not talking about medicines or anything like that. We're talking about social okay. commerce products, things that you didn't realize that you would need it. But then once you see that ad and it's like, yeah, that's super cool, might be helpful for my house, for my kid, for my, you know, gym or whatever, then you buy it and then you're willing to wait. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of the ecosystem that we're building. And we consider ourselves kind of an economy as we, I mean, we call it this, you drop your economy as, you know, giving a chance to everybody to uh, step into e-commerce it's powerful because it's not only us making money, but it's also the resellers, like the merchants making money. So it's more than our revenue, but it's more like the aggregate revenue uh, of suppliers and merchants 
that are you know fueled by our platform as we are the backbone of those people mailman is a email assistant that shields you from unimportant emails minimizing interruptions and making your days calmer and more productive you can visit mailmanhq.com and use the code lsm uh, which gives you the benefit of 15% off for the first year on the annual plan uh, which already has 20% discounted compared to the monthly plan so you can visit mailmanhq.com and use the code lsm so even you know some somebody on your audience as well i mean people are looking for a new job or you know re- new revenue stream i mean without us they don't have a chance right so it's very i mean at least it's very difficult they come to us and they start making money well that means that we create wealth on their side they will create they will create revenue they will pay taxes and this is, has an impact on the economy overall um so that's kind of what it's driving us moving forward that's kind of you know the why we're doing things and i think it's super important to have it uh or at least have a strong one. Yeah, no uh, that's that's okay uh, very interesting and you know I, I wanted to understand what is uh, uh what is the pricing model uh, what what is the cost if somebody uh, as, a, as a merchant applies to uh, or even as a customer applies to you drop your or do you have any different pricing models for both these uh customers? Yeah, we have we have different price, pricing models so when it comes to the supplier side they don't they don't pay uh we don't want to create any friction on that side so we want to have as many suppliers as possible or at least as many good suppliers as possible as we have a vetting system as well on their side when it comes to the merchant side so basically if somebody wants to start in e-commerce they have to build firstly they have to build the the shop right so online they have to go on shopify or wix.com or woocommerce and if we talk about shopify it can go like 19 per month that's kind of the cost okay. of building a shop on shopify um and then they come to us well they have kind of the three pieces right shopify then they have to send traffic so might use facebook or instagram and then they have us right so we are as important as those two other players because if we go down they go down if facebook goes down they go down if shopify goes down they go down right so it's kind of same importance um and new, using our platform is you have different plans so according to your uh stage let's say as well it can goes from you know $19 per month to $249 per month uh so we have four different plans which are monthly plans uh so you paying a subscription every single month to stay within the platform to use our services um the key differentiator between the plans are things like how many products you can request to be sourced So even if you don't find what you're looking for which is super interesting you can ask you can actually tell us hey find this product for me and then what we do is okay let us know how it looks like fill the form we route that you know request to the suppliers and somebody if they have it or if they can find it they will list it in the, into the marketplace and then back to you you can you can now push it into your shop um or, or um, other differentiator might be you know how many stores you can connect in the platform if you want to have an account manager or not uh following your journey and you know those are the key uh differentiator but as little as $19 plus the 19 or $29 per month of shopify like with $50 you can kind of set up uh from a technological standpoint and then you have to run ads um yeah. of course i mean you can if you're an influencer you already have audience so you're basically paying zero to get the first customers if you have some friends who are working in the space like in influencers again they can do a favor for you 
uh, if you don't know any friends and if you don't you know any friends in the industry or any influencers, well, you have to kind of figure out a way to run ads on Facebook. Uh, but again, with like $500, $800 budget, you can, you can start building a brand, uh, which is fantastic. And I think, you know, that's, you have to commit at some point with, with you know, a budget um, to, to start this. Very interesting. And, um, you know, I, uh, I had uh, Fabrice Grindau, who's, uh, who's the former CEO of Wolex, uh, uh, and he's one of the biggest angel investors. And I talked about supply and demand. Do you think uh, when, when you're trying to solve the problem of marketplaces, and since I have also been part of a travel marketplace, Decacon, uh, do you think it's important to start adding supply, start looking at supply first or demand first? What, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, somebody who's looking to build a B2B marketplace, what is the one thing you should start focusing on? Well, this is kind of the, the most you know, important question or let's say important things that you have to figure out yourself when you're building a marketplace, right? So the chicken egg problem. And that's kind of the problem that our customers have, right? As well, because we were, we were talking about difficulties of, of finding suppliers uh, if you don't have any volume or finding warehouses, if you don't have any volume and out merchants are just starting out in this space, so they don't have any volume. So when they go to the supply side, you know, they're just like, you know, it's very difficult to find that balance. So by solving the chicken egg problem ourselves, we kind of solve the chicken egg, chicken egg problem for everybody else, right? So on, on, on the merchant side. But back to your question, I mean, I think you don't have a straight answer because it really depends on your marketplace. Um, so most of the people say that you have to focus on supply first. Okay. Uh, that's what you find usually because, I mean, the, the best way, like if we talk about theory, the best way is understand where those suppliers are listing their offerings. Um, you know, maybe they, you know, if you look at Airbnb or all those kind of marketplaces that are, been built from Craigslist, right? right. Um, they were like, okay, let's see how my suppliers are listing their products and let's build something that is super easy for them to list from Craigslist to my platform so I can get access to you know, millions of different suppliers and I can start with that side first. So I'm building a technology tool for them to you know, list their products into my platform as well. So there is no friction. I don't need to convince them. It's free. And, you know, that's a good strategy. And then I go and hunt for the uh, demand side of the marketplace because now I have something to show in the marketplace. So usually that's how it works, but it really depends on the marketplace model. For us, uh, what we adopted, and uh, I think, I mean, now if we look back, was, wasn't the right strategy, but, you know, it worked well at the very beginning. And, you know, it was, and it's a strategy as well. It's kind of, find a very big player on the supply side first. So you close a big, fat-ass relationship with a supplier on the supply side. Could be, you know, a big wholesaler on our side with millions of products. So we don't have to find suppliers because we just one, we can actually manage a lot of, a lot of buyers. Uh, you close that, you know, wholesaler and then you find uh, merchants, you find demand. So that's kind of the strategy that we adopted. And I think it's working well as well, but it really depends on the, on the model. Uh, but in gen generally speaking, focus on supply first. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, if I had to go back, I would focus more on supply 
Um, and I will also focus more on the model, understanding you know, my business model. So we, what we didn't realize at first was that we were a marketplace. We were not like a software. We were a marketplace. So there are key things that you have to really look at when it comes to a marketplace, like the chicken egg problem and you know, finding that balance between demand and supplier, like the ratio, which is super important, and how many suppliers do you have uh, for how many merchants and all of that, and as well as you know, finding ways to leverage network effects because that will be the key differentiator and the key defensibility in the long term. So we missed that. We missed that. You know, we are a marketplace. We missed that part. And so we realized that you know, later, and then we started to work on that later. Um, um, but now we are laser focused on supply. Um, now we, are, we have a micro branding industry. So uh, merchants are coming to us mostly organically. Um, we have a good ratio between demand and supply, so we don't have to, we're not super urgent in finding suppliers, but we're finding ways to make them more proactive um, so we can leverage organic uh, network effects to have them, you know, come to us for free, basically. Right. No, I think that's an interesting perspective because uh, usually, you know, a, a lot of B2B marketplaces, they start off with supply, but, but uh, I agree to, to your perspective. And, uh, you know, I wanted to understand what are the customer acquisition channels you used uh, to get your first thousand uh, customers? Uh, you know, usually it's word of mouth, but I wanted to understand, you know, did you do anything differently? Uh, and what would be your advice to people who are looking to build their first thousand fans? Yeah. So just to add something like on a previous question, because I think it's interesting and something that we leveraged as well, and I think it's a good strategy, is, you know, we were... When it comes to e-commerce, you have, you know, billions of SKUs. I mean, that this this can be applied to any marketplaces, right? I mean, even if you're a travel marketplaces, you know, travel marketplace, you have, you know, thousands of different locations and, you know, cities and, and countries or, you know, when it comes to housing, you have, you know, locations and houses and differences. What worked well for us was to actually let customers, like the demand, ask for things. So they came to us with a product that wanted to be sourced. So they came to us, they filled the firm and say, hey, I want this product to be sourced. So with that, we, we went to the, to the supply side and we say, hey, somebody's looking for these products, which means that there might be some orders on that for that customer. So there is a demand, right? Uh, and then we soon realized that you know, suppliers wanted to get that business. Um, and that's kind of, you know, what worked well as well, kind of be push, pull, sorry, um, kind of working well. But when it comes to, when it comes to uh, acquisition channels, so uh, the kind of the way we attract to the, the kind of the first 40,000 merchants is going to be, and it's completely different as well from the way we attract customers today. I mean, it was kind of completely different, you know, um, strategy. And I think, you know, Entrepreneurs have to think about that. I mean, one strategy is not working for the whole uh, journey of the company. You have to think about different steps. And the first step for us was, you know, use traditional marketplace, uh, traditional marketing activities. Like we were hitting every single conferences in the space uh, for the okay. first like fifteen months. We were literally everywhere. Um, we're not only in the sense that we were you know, attending those conferences, maybe with a stand or something like that, but also we're using some, 
you know, very interesting tactics in those conferences. Like we were also like keynote speakers that, that, that helped as well. But also I remember like one of the conferences we've been to and, you know, in this space, they, we've been well known for the kind of um, uh, things that we do at conferences because there was this big conference in Bangkok and there were a lot of, you know, people working at that conference. And then we put like stickers of our company to everybody's shirt uh, and then everybody was like, yeah, w- w- what's this company is? So I think you can leverage that as well. I mean, traditional marketing works if you do that well. Um, and also we built this micro brand. So uh, we actually didn't run any ads uh, a- until today. So okay. which, which is amazing because we're not dependent on, on, on Facebook or traffic sources at all. We built this micro brand by leveraging influencers in the space, so people were talking about us for free because they wanted to be uh, kind of you know associated with our company, as well as they have to talk about the latest you know technology companies because otherwise they're not up to date and you know the audience yeah. will not be happy. So we leverage that, and also we are leveraging happy customers. So we have affiliate programs as well, so happy customers can refer other customers and they can get paid. Um, so that's work. That's really working well today. Moving forward, we're now going to scale some uh, scalable channels like Facebook and Google Ads until we reach like a certain level of customers, and then from that moment on, we don't want to spend millions of dollars in in Facebook Ads and Google Ads. We want to leverage network effects. So we want merchants bringing on board their own suppliers and suppliers bringing on board their own merchants. So we don't have to. Uh, spends you know billions of billions of dollars in in, in Facebook ads. Interesting, and uh, you know, uh, uh, you've been part of a launch uh, accelerator. Uh, you know, any uh, do you think accelerators are efficient? And you know, what what are your lessons with working with Jason Gallic? And I'm a big fan of Jason. And uh, you know, what what are your thoughts on accelerators? Well, uh, well, I was super skeptical at first. I was super skeptical about accelerator in general. Okay, so and we got accepted into one of the other big accelerators as well. Um, when at the same time that you know uh, we got in touch with Jason, so we were kind of evaluating like launch and then another one. Uh, but then we talked with some you know very important people in Silicon Valley, and and we were like, yeah, like our network, right? And we were like, yeah, should we go for one or the other? And all of them, they're like, yeah, go, go for launch. Uh, I'm like, yeah, I mean, I didn't have any experience with, you know, I didn't have an, a network with, uh, with founders uh, being through launch at all. But, you know, Jason Kalakanis is a very well-known angel investor. And I think it's one of the greatest angel investors. And I'm, yes. I, think, I think numbers talk here. It's, it's, yeah. uh, I mean, he has like different unicorns under his portfolio. Um, and so we like we wanted to be associated with that person, and we had a few conversations with him, and I think he loved the idea. We love him, and then was like, okay, let's let's do it. To have an interesting stat for you, did you know that the founder of Beautiful Lives increased the social media presence by ten x? They managed to publish consistently and effortlessly using a robust social media management tool called Social Pilot. Social Pilot is a cost-effective social media tool that helps businesses scale their social media marketing efforts. Use lifestylemastery.com slash social pilot to get a 14-day free trial. We started the program in August. Um, and since then, it has been an acceleration because we 
more than doubled our revenue uh, in four months. So for us, it has been an accelerator program. Um, we've been through different courses like growth, uh, Founders University, and yeah. all those things were inside the program. So the value added is huge. Um, and also, every single week, you meet with investors. So it's not like an, a normal accelerator that you have to go through classes or mentorships sessions and but you don't have to raise you don't raise until demo day because you don't have to do it you raise at demo day well at launch you raise from day one you're there because you want to raise money you want to meet with investors you want to tune your business model you want to tune your pitch um you want to talk with jason as much as possible because he looks at your business and he's like change this change this change this and then i mean it, it works um, and, and that's unbelievable. Um, so I'd say like it's, it's the best accelerator today because they have also they have um, the, the fund as well. So Jason has a syndicate.com, which is the largest syndicate in the world. So if a company goes well, they usually follow up on the investment. So okay. after you graduate from launch, you most probably get an investment from Jason first. Um, so I think it's very competitive. Uh, the, the, the kind of the, the level of the companies there is super high. And if you've been to Demo Day, you know that. No. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it has been a very interesting uh, experience. No, very interesting because and I'm a big fan of this weekend uh, started in this podcasting oh, yeah, style. Sure, and. Yeah. And yeah, and and the book angel. I think uh, the Lord has got a lot of fans back in India as well. And uh, you know, what, what do you what do you believe the has the world of you know fundraising changed with COVID? Because uh, you got to do these Zoom calls, and uh, you know you're not meeting uh, found uh, VCs directly, but you're pitching on demo called What what are your thoughts on how do you build relationships of trust in these you know compressed fundraising timelines? Uh, where you're meeting uh, high-quality VCs or doing the accelerating program over Zoom? Yeah, I think, I mean, now everything is on Zoom, right? So, and I think it's positive. I mean, if you, I mean, you don't have to be in a specific location to uh, to raise money, right? And and before everything was, you know, Silicon Valley have to be there. If you want to raise money, you have to be there once you raise money because investors wanted to have you, you know, very you know, close to where they had the offices. Uh, but now it's, 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 I think it has been, you know, COVID has positively impacted this space because it can reach to people uh, easier uh, than before. Everybody has, you know, 25, 30 minutes of their time for a Zoom call. You don't have to commute, uh, so you have more time. You don't have to, uh, even, you know, uh, both of the sides, right? So not only the founders, but also the, the investors. Uh, so people are willing to, to get into a conversation as well as if you have, you know, if you're not a U.S. founder, for instance, like myself, yeah. they're more open to have a conversation, even if our company is based in the U.S. But now I think a lot of investors are now looking for companies in Europe as well, uh, like Sequoia opened just a new uh, HQ there. I mean, focusing on startups. So that European, you know, um, you know, arena is growing. So now, now investors can have a Zoom call with somebody from Italy, just just like the one that we're having here today. So, yes. I think it's, it's it's positively impacted 
Um, I think you can, you can meet with great investors. Um, I mean, you know better than me. I mean, it works like introductions is kind of the best way to get into to a VC, but I, I'm a salesperson myself. I love somebody. I love some time to not ask referrals or interest from, from Jason, but I go and hand myself like a big VC and I'm doing it every single day. Um, and I get a good traction and I'm, I'm sitting with, with some of the best VC in the world and we're having great conversations and everybody's so open to, to, to have these meetings. Um, I think I don't have a huge experience of, you know, what, how it was before, um, but I think Zoom works. Um, I wish to go back some, someday to, to the old times, but uh, from now, I, it, I think it's fine. Yeah, I think we all, we all have to live with it. And, um, you, you know, you have a sales uh, experience and uh, then you, you, you're you a CEO of, of a marketplace and, a, you know, building on product. Uh, do you think it's, it's, uh, it's a bit of a what, what, what sort of mindset uh, shift is needed to go from, uh, you know, being a sales guy to being a product guy or like, you know, CEO of a company? Well, I think my, my view is if you, if you have a sales background, you have, you know, you're really powerful in the sense that you can be a powerful CEO. And I think CEO should have a sales background. And that's, that's my experience. I mean, if, if we're talking about a deep tech startups, like might be different, like healthcare might be different. But when you talk about softwares, uh, you need to have kind of sort of sales background because you not only have to sell the company to customers and at the very beginning, you're just yourself, right? Selling to customers, but you also have to sell your company to investors, which is even more complicated. Uh, so, you know, when I was working for Salesforce, I had to sell a very expensive software to somebody who maybe didn't realize that it needed. So it was very difficult to get their attention and sell the software but now as well, it's the same thing as I have to convince somebody that I don't, I don't only have a great product because I have traction. So the problem is there and the product can solve that. That's clear because we're not in a, a super early stage right now. But I have to convince that this company can hit the billion dollar valuation, can become the next big thing. And you know, there's a lot of going on here. And sales is about understanding who's the, the key de- decision maker. So same thing when it comes to investors or you know, uh, customers. You have to understand who's the partner who makes a decision. You, you have to understand the budget. You know, what's the average te- check size and what's the target ownership? What are the needs of these investors? I mean, what they want to achieve? What are the challenges of these investments? What they're mostly worried about? Uh, so it's kind of the same sales methodologies. And when it comes to being a CEO and being the front man for everything, you have to really have that expertise on my mind to really have, to really manage that conversation well and then touch all the points and then sell your company well and position at your company well. Uh, so for myself, like I'm not a technical guy at all and I wish to, to go back to my early you know, days and maybe go for you know, a computer science degree or something like that because um, sometimes you get frustrated because you're not the person actually building the software yourself and you know, there's crazy visions, but you cannot build that yourself. But you know, being a CEO, which is most of the time at the very beginning, you're also a chief product officer because okay. you have to you know, really save your products. And um, it's, you have to do kind of a shift into understanding how the, t- the, techs, the tech you know, world works because business goes super fast 
the tech usually it's kind of you know slower than business and you have to make sure that everybody is aligned within the same organization and then you have to really use project management tools and, and skills to be able to um to um, you know forecast all the milestones well um so my experience like hasn't been kind of a shift for me um, i've been doing sales every single day um and i think you know great ceos have some sort of you know sales uh background if you don't have a background in sales i would suggest you to read books about sales and to watch you know podcasts or videos or you know anything re- related to sales because Sales is day to day. Every conversation is a negotiation. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's that helped me a lot. Correct. Yeah, you know, since I also have business growth in sales, uh, I think uh, I would also go back and do at least uh, uh, you know degree in computer sciences like you. But yeah, but yeah I think uh, you congrats on you on you to you know make a shift uh, and be a you know a, a product guy. Uh, I quickly want to do the top three. What's your favorite business book? Good question. Um, so I'd say like from zero to one, it's kind of my, I know that a lot of people saying that, but it's really about, you know, forcing you to think about what are the things that you have to achieve in the first initial phase. Yeah. Um, and that's the most critical, you know, part of any businesses. Yeah. Um, and also we're helping customers on that phase as well. So I think there is this synergy. So I'll say that. Got it. And you know, if you could go back in time and start building uh, Utropy, what is the one thing you would have focused on or done anything differently? I think I would focus more on the model, so the marketplace model, and we talk about that, but also on like the milestone when it comes to tech. So understanding what are the things that we have to do in the next 12, 15 months in tech, um, all the developments that we have to do and really use project management uh, techniques to make sure that you know everything is there and everybody is aligned. Because otherwise, you use a waterfall kind of approach and say, "Hey, I want to do this, 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 this," and then you build it, and then it doesn't work. And you spend like six months, and then you're building something that nobody wants. Instead of using more agile approaches, like maybe talk to customer first, and then tune it, and then talk again, and tune it a little bit more. Um, so yeah, I'd say that. Got it. And uh, your favorite online tool, for example, uh, Gmail, Slack, Zoom. Uh, I'll say, uh, I'll say Salesforce <laughs> uh, myself. So any CRM, I mean, I'm waking up every morning. I'm a salesperson. So the first thing that I have to look at in the morning is the sales pipeline. Uh, it's, it's, it's just, it's just me. I have to look at numbers. Uh, I'm a very analytical person. So if you love numbers, you have to open your CRM and, um, and look at what's going on and what are the pipelines, what are the things that need your attention, what are the things that not need, need your attention. Um, I think CRM is is my favorite tool. Got it. I will put that in the show notes. Uh, and kind of what, what is the best way people can reach out to you and know more about Utropy? So I think like LinkedIn works pretty well. Uh, so you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm very open to everybody uh, to, you know, if you have any questions or I'm super, super open. Uh, so I think LinkedIn is the best kind of way to approach me. Yeah, and how about you, Dropy? Uh, can you just let us know more about uh, how, how, how can people reach out? So for you, Dropy, is super simple. I mean, I mean, for anyone who's interested in, in the platform and really understand more about the space, 
uh, just we just you know built a new website as well, so everything is super new in the website. You have all the sections you need and all the questions you might have already answered, as well as we have free trial, so you don't have to commit to one of the plans before you know the end of the trial. So you can really get a taste of the platform first. Talk with somebody in the team as well as we have an account manager uh, following you for the first couple of days. And then you commit if you want to. Otherwise, you, you go back to what you're doing. And, bas- and maybe in a few months, you, you remember about us and you go back to your e-commerce journey. We'll put that in the show notes. Thank you so much for taking our time and speaking to me. Uh, really enjoyed my conversation. Thank you. It was great. Thanks for listening to the Life Self Mastery Podcast, where we teach you how to start and grow your online business. For more information, visit Rohit's blog at www.lifeselfmastery.com.